If you would, be turning in your Bibles tonight to the 26th chapter of Second Chronicles. Be our lesson text for tonight. We're going to study a king that you might not be too familiar with. One of the most successful kings of Judea, King Uzziah. Not only was he one of the most successful kings, but he had one of the greatest military minds of any king that we would read about in the scriptures. But it's also a tragic story of one who had such promise, who started out so good and tragically ended so badly. As we study the life of King Uzziah tonight, we want to have a little background first to kind of help understand why he did some of the things that he did. It's interesting that he is the third Judean king in a row that the scripture says started out right in the eyes of God, but ended very poorly. The first was his grandfather, which was King Joash. Now, the scripture says that Joash started out being faithful unto God. But later, he listened, listened to some of the royal uh, princesses around him. And, and instead of listening to God, he listened to the royalty around him. And it got to be that when he battled the, uh, the Assyrians, not the Assyrians, but the Syrians from up north, that came down to attack his land, that the Lord was no longer with him. The Lord was with a smaller army of Syrians, and they utterly defeated Judean armies under Joash, so much to the extent that they uh, uh, sent them into disarray. They came into uh, the city of Jerusalem, the Syrians did, and uh, looted the city, and as well... They uh, killed off a lot of the royal families there in Judea. Now, the, the times were so bad, and the people hated their king so much that uh, he was killed by his own servants. Uzziah's father, Amaziah, will now take the throne. And he as well begins right in the sight of God. He did what was right. Then he battled the Edomites. And he had a great victory over the Edomites. And as he was carrying that uh, loot and bounty back into Judea with him, he carried as well all the pagan gods and, and false altars of the pagan gods of the Edomites. And he began to worship these false gods, so that when he did, Jehovah God was no longer with him. He went on to pick a fight with his northern neighbors and his brothers, the Israelites. The king of Israel was even more happy to fight him. The king of Israel sends his armies down and utterly defeats the army of uh, Amaziah because the Lord was no longer with him. Uh, they looted the uh, king's palace. They looted the uh, temple. They knocked down part of the walls of Jerusalem. And they carried away a lot of the people into uh, captivity in the northern kingdom. 
Now, his people also turned against him after a period of time. But it's interesting to note that the uh, king of Israel left the king uh, uh, Amaziah there on the throne for 15 years. But the people turned against him. He fled from his own people. They later hunted him down and they killed him. So under those very tragic circumstances, we find Uzziah coming to rule on the throne, coming to a city and a country that's been looted and been in ruin. So as we begin our reading here, the 26th chapter of Second Chronicles, beginning with verse 1. Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of his father, Amaziah. Now the scholars and the commentators are kind of divided of opinion of actually how old Uzziah was when he began to rule by himself. He began at 16. He was co-regent. Uh, ruling with his father. Uh, remember that the uh, the Israelites let his father stay on the throne for some 15 years, and then his father fled and was in hiding for a period of time. So they think that probably he had the throne to himself somewhere between the ages of 30 and 40 when he began to rule, even though technically he was king at the age of 16, co-ruling uh, with his father. Now, verse 2 says, He built Eloth and restored it to Judah. After that, the king slept with his fathers. Now, Eloth was a uh, port city on the Red Sea. It had once belonged to the kingdom of Israel, and they had lost it to some of their enemies. Uh, he, once he establishes his army, and we're going to see that in the next few verses, he retakes that city, he rebuilds it, he fortifies it, because it was a wonderful seaport that the merchants of Judea needed to trade their goods with the Far East. So he helps develop trade and commerce as well. We're going to see success after success that Uzziah has because he is doing what God wants him to do. Verse 3, 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. Verse 4, now verse 4 is an important verse. And he did that was right in the sight of the Lord. This is how he began. The scripture says, next phrase here, according to all that his father Amaziah did. He started out well, just as his father Amaziah did. He served the Lord. He did what was right. Now the next verse, verse uh, 5 it's going to explain who helped him serve the Lord and live right. Verse 5 says, He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. He sought God in the days of Zechariah. Now, who exactly this Zechariah was, we're not told. Zechariah was a common name throughout the Old Testament. And this is not Zechariah the prophet, which we run into several times in the Old Testament. This was another one. And it would seem like he was, a, uh, uh, he was an advisor. He was a counselor to Uzziah. 
And uh, he was skilled in understanding the will and the law of the Lord. He advised Uzziah from a scriptural and religious standpoint what to do. So notice, notice the phrase at the start of verse 5. Talking about Uzziah, he sought God in the days of Zechariah. That particular phrase, in the days of, uh, means as long as Zechariah was there, as long as Zechariah lived, as long as he was in the company of Zechariah, he was faithful to God. You know, we, we need to understand that we need godly people around us. We're going to see from the life of, Zechariah, of Uzziah that he needed godly people around him. And once he lost Zechariah, everything changed. We need the encouragement. We need the support. We need the love and the fellowship that we get from like-minded Christians. You know, that's, that's one of the great blessings and benefits that we have while we gather. That's why we come together on Wednesday nights and on Sunday schools because we're out there in the world all week long. And all we hear is the world's message. All we hear is the world talking to us. We need to be with people like us, people who believe like us, people who feel like we do, people who want to go to heaven as we do. So we need this time of encouragement and love and faithfulness and support, which we get from our brothers and sisters. Just as Uzziah needed the counseling, the support, and the guidance that he got from his counselor, Zechariah. And notice that God was with him. And at, the, at the end of verse 5, as long as he sought the Lord, as long as he did what was right, God made him to prosper. Now the next few verses are going to tell us how God was with him and how Uzziah prospered. Look at verse 6. And he went forth and warred against the Philistines and broke down the wall of Gath and the wall of Jachna and the wall of Ashdod and built cities about Ashdod and among the Philistines. The Philistines were age-old enemies of the Israelites. They were in the western part of the land. Some of those cities that are named here are, are nearer to the Mediterranean Sea than they are to the city of Jerusalem. But we can see he's sending his armies out, and he's sending them all into the western part of the territory. And he is victorious. He broke down the walls, that is the defenses, of these cities of the Philistines. He captures these cities. And as he does so, uh, he does an a, a, a ingenious thing. Look what it says he did. After he captures these cities, he built cities about Ashdod and among the Philistines. He puts established cities of his citizens there among the Philistines. It's a different age and a different time. They had no instant communication as we do today. How are you going to keep track of what's going on in the territories and the cities that you've captured? We know later what the Romans did. The Romans would, 
after they captured a territory and cities, they had stationed garrisons, troops there, to keep the people under control, to keep the peace, to be sure the people paid their taxes, and to observe that everything went well. Well, this is the beginning of what Uzziah's doing. He's building these cities all throughout areas of the Philistines where he can control them, where he can keep a watch over them and keep everything in check. It, it's interesting. Uh, we've been hearing for the last few decades that the Jews have been establishing settlements among the Arabs along the West Bank and in other territories. That's nothing new. Uzziah was doing that same principle 2,800 years ago. We see his ingenious mind, his military coming to bear here. Verse 7, And God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians that dwelt in Gerbal and the Mehunims. These are just different enemies that were defeated by the armies of Uzziah. And all this time, he keeps getting stronger and stronger. His fame keeps going out more and more. And he keeps growing mightier with that fighting machine, the armies that he has. Verse 8. And the Ammonites gave gifts to Uzziah. And his name spread abroad even to the entering in of Egypt. For, the, for he strengthened himself exceedingly. Now, I like the way King James says here, the, the Ammonites gave him gifts. They didn't give him gifts. They gave him tribute money. They paid him off. It's it, it like you would pay the, the, the mob for protection. The, usually companies or countries that didn't want to be conquered, they paid tribute money to a, a stronger enemy where you wouldn't come in, where you wouldn't take, take us. Where we'll pay you so much money each year to leave us alone. And that's what they did. He was so strong. The Ammonites didn't even want to fight him. They would gladly pay money to him. And notice all this time, he keeps getting stronger. And his fame is exceeding and going throughout all the area. Even on way along down to the beginnings of Egypt, they've heard of him, this strong king and the armies that he has. And the scripture says, he strengthened himself exceedingly. He just keeps getting stronger and stronger in his military might. Now, look what he does here, beginning with verse 9. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the turning of the wall and fortified them. These towers that he built along the walls of Jerusalem. We remember that when the Syrians and when the Israelites came down, they came into the city of Jerusalem. The Israelites knocked down part of the wall of the city. So he not only repaired what was broken down, but he strengthened it. He fortified it. On each of the corners, he would build these towers so that they would have better fighting places, have better observation. Remember, in that day and time, the high country was always the best to do battle from. It's easier to defend what's on high than what's on low. And usually, uh, it was just bare land before the high ground. So they would have no protection where the ones on the wall, the, the soldiers up there, would have the protection of the wall. 
And he makes it better. He puts towers on each of the corners. So there's this military mind. It just keeps going. Verse 10. And he built towers in the desert and digged many wells. For he had much cattle, both in the low country and in the plains. Husbandmen also and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel. For he loved husbandry. Now, he had herds, he had flocks, he had cattle, and as well as the people did. And they would take them on out into the countryside. Well, in that day and time, they would be subject to marauding armies of the enemies. So what he's doing, he's building forts, if you would, out among the, the territories away from Jerusalem. Think of the Old West and the forts that were established for the protection of the citizens out in the Old West where they came through when they were under attack. This is what he's doing. He's going to provide shelter. He's going to provide protection for uh, the, the, the cattlemen, uh, for the flocks, for the, the herds that he has, as well as oversight and warning in case some enemy would try to sneak in he would already have a front-line defense. Here again is this military might. It just amazes me how he keeps thinking of these things. Because, see, he had to forever live with the defeats of his grandfather and his father. And you can just see it didn't want to happen to him. He said that's not going to happen. So he's thinking of these ways how to prevent the enemy from gaining ground on him. So he establishes these forts. Now, as his herds and his flocks and all that he has goes out, a lot of it sometime in the more arid country, then he's going to dig wells or cisterns for when the rains do come, they'll gather up and, and they'll be stored there for when the flocks and the herdsmen go out into those other territories. They'll have enough water to sustain the life for themselves and for their herds. We're told as well that in the regions that would support the vines, that he grew those as well, the olives and the grapes, and he planted them because he loved husbandry. That's another word for farming or agriculture. His mind wasn't just military, he said. He loved the earth. He loved farming. He loved growing things. Any king that's responsible to his people Wanted to grow things. Because no matter how strong you are, if you don't have food for your armies, you're going to get beat and you're going to die. So he wants to sustain his people. So he's in the agriculture to grow in things so there'll always be enough in the food supply. So, so this king was so successful. He was so ingenious. He was so smart in all that he did. Look what all he did. Uh, verse 11. Moreover, Uzziah had a host of fighting men that went out to war by bands according to the number of their account by the hand of Jeel, the scribe, and Maaseah, the ruler, under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains. So his troops went out by bands. Uh, think troops. Think patrols, much like the, the, the cavalry of the Old West. He would send them out. Often they were segregated and, and made up by, by families that went out in bands or troops. 
And he would send them out with the herds for protection. He would send them out for fighting in this way. He would send them out to, to, to look and to, to scout out the land. And he is showing his preparedness. And the, the, the stress is that they went out in an orderly fashion. He made sure that his troops were just not sent a man here, man here. They were orderly. There was a pattern. There was a reason. There was a, uh, uh, an order to all that they did. And under the direction of these men that were named, verse 12, the whole number of the chief of the fathers of the mighty men of valor were 2,600. These were the commanders. These were the officers of this army, the 2,600. They were uh, uh, usually the heads of families uh, as well as others who, who, who had uh, uh, power and might and valor, who had distinguished themselves and were men that you could count on and look up to. And, and they had uh, these officer positions. Now underneath them, next verse, uh, verse 13, and under their hand was an army, 300,000 and 7,500, that made war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. So under their hand then was... Uh, 307,500. He had an elite army, a trained fighting force. They were trained and they were powerful and they were at the command of King Josiah. No wonder he put fear in all of his neighbors. No wonder he was esteemed. No wonder no one wanted to fight him. He had a well-polished fighting machine and he was successful. Why was he successful, though? Because he sought God, and God was with him. Now, another thing that he did for his army, look at verse 14. And Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the host. That means every man. All of them had shields and spears and helmets and habergeons and bows and slings to cast stones. Not only were they well prepared for battle, but they were well equipped for battle as well. Now, there's a word there that you may not be familiar with, habergeons. I dare say nobody has used that word today in any speech that you've made. You have not looked at anybody and said, do you know where my habergeon is? I don't think anybody would probably know except probably Tim Fisher. And Tim just might have a habergeon. The more I find out about him, the more I respect him and, uh, and amazed by him. Habergeon was a uh, uh, coat of armor. It was a sleeveless vest that covered the neck and the chest area here. It, it was not like you think of uh, Lancelot and the Knights of the Round Table. Not, not that polished, but it was rudiment and, and, and it, it served a purpose that it, it was a, a, a protective vest, a protective armor. So look what he supplied here. He gave them the armor and the helmet for their protection. And then look at the offensive weapons that he has. He's got slings, he's got bows and arrows, he's got shields, and he's got spears. That army is well equipped 
That army is well trained. That army is well prepared. That army has fought battle after battle and be successful. So they are well trained and ready. Verse 15. And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks, to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And his name spread far abroad, and he was marvelously helped till he was strong. There in the city of Jerusalem, he wants to fortify the city even more. Remember, it was taken under his father and his grandfather. Not going to happen to him. He as well as shoring up the walls and putting up fortifications, he's going to put some offensive weapons on that wall. Now, these engines that he's talking about here sounds a lot like a catapult as we know it from medieval times. Now, a lot of people would say, well, this got to be wrong because there weren't catapults in that time. But uh, archaeologists have discovered among the Assyrians a very rude and crude form of a catapult that they had. And these cunning men that he had might very well have been some of those engineers that had seen what the Assyrians had and had copied those engines and had brought them down in that knowledge to Jerusalem to shore up their fortifications. Imagine on these corners of these walls having these catapults to sling great rocks and stones at the enemy. So, here again, the military mind of, of Uzziah was amazing in what all he did and what all he prepared and how he fortified that city of Jerusalem. And notice what the scripture says about it. His name spread far abroad. People heard about that. People heard what he did. People had been to Jerusalem and seen what all he'd done. When they came back to their countries, they told everything. And his fame and his name spread all abroad. Look at that last phrase of verse 15. For he was marvelously helped. Who helped him? God. Marvelously helped. Oh, look at that next phrase. Until he was strong. Until he was strong. Then it changes. Then it changes. Look at verse 16. For when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. What happened? What changed? Could have been his counselor, his advisor. Zechariah was no longer around. He might have died. He might have got rid of him. It could be just simply exactly what the scripture says. His heart was lifted up. He was full of pride. Look what he had done. Look what all he's accomplished. Look what all he has. Everybody's afraid of him. Look at me and what I have done. And now he don't want to be told no. He doesn't want to be told what he can't do. King knew it was against the law, God's law, set forth in the book of Deuteronomy, that only 
those of the priestly tribe of Aaron. Only the priest could enter into the temple. Only one of the priests could burn incense. But because of his great pride, he wants to go in there. You know, he is to us an example of a man who could handle adversity better than he could success. And we've seen that with people in our own lives. People who are struggling to make a living, but you look at them and, and, and you're amazed how they're still faithful to God, even though they're putting up after trial after trial. And then something happens in their life, some good comes to them, and they're blessed and they get a lot of riches and money. And then you know what happens sometimes? They move away from God. They don't need God anymore. I'm successful. This is what happened to King Uzziah. He grew proud and he quit serving God and he quit fearing God. That's a problem because they often go hand in hand. When we quit serving God, we lose the fear of God. And we're being warned, by, by God preserving these words here, we're being warned to take notice that it is a grave danger to us when we have such affluence and such success in our life. When not only all of our needs are met, but all of our wants are met as well. Look what Uzziah does. He was king. He was king of the world. His enemies feared him. He had done great things. And he had forgotten that all these great things he had accomplished was because of God and not because of himself. So he wants to burn this incense. He goes into the temple. Now look what happens. Verse 17. And Azariah, the priest, went in after him. And with him fourscore, that's eighty, priests of the Lord that were valiant men. Well, why did it say that he were valiant men? Because they're going to have to face the king and tell the king no. And nobody tells the king no. Scripture says they're valiant men. They stood up to the most powerful man in the world at that time. King Uzziah. Look what they did in verse 18. And they withstood Uzziah and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. said, you, you can't be here. You can't do this. They told him no. And they tell him you have to leave. And he said, this thing is not going to bring you honor. There's nothing good's going to come of this. This is going to bring you dishonor. And it's going to bring you disgrace. In the eyes of God. Also, according to God's law, it was a capital crime for one outside of the priesthood to go in there to do what he is about to do. But Uzziah was told no. So look at verse 19. Then Uzziah was wroth. That is, he was angry. And he had a censer in his hand. A censer is what you burn the incense in. He had a censer in his hand to burn the incense. No telling what he was going to do with that. And while he was wroth with the priest, while he was angry with them, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead. 
before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. By the scripture preserving these words, it would seem these 80 priests, they, they got around and they protected the incense altar where he couldn't get to it and burn that incense. And while they were looking at him and telling him no, it would seem that God struck him with leprosy. Of course, he had his robe and clothes on and all they could see was on his face, but they noticed it appearing on his forehead. We can imagine them in that room and they see that all of a sudden, this man that's just angry breaks out in leprosy. We can imagine the stare, the look on their face. The king must have noticed it too. Look what happens, verse 20. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked upon him. And behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself, that's Uzziah, hastened also to go out because the Lord had smitten him. He knew what had happened. He wasn't supposed to be in there, and they need to get him out in there, for he, he defiles that holy chamber. Verse 21. And Uzziah the king was a leper until the day of his death. And he dwelt in several houses. They moved in place to place. You couldn't be near anyone. Being a leper, you were isolated. He was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. So his son was a cold region as well, just like he is, until the day of his death. These words, this story, for us, is preserved. It's not just a history lesson, and it's a good history lesson. But it's more than that. It's a warning from God that the decisions, the choices that we make in this life. They matter. You, and we can be just as subject to the same mistakes Uzziah did, allowing our successes to go to our head, becoming puffed up, full of pride, so that our heart is hardened. And we make light of God's Word. And we feel we no longer need God and, and need His words. And we no longer fear God. It can happen to any of us. A lesson we need to learn. And we need to be aware of. All that we are. All that we have. Is not of ourselves. It's of God. We're blessed. And blessed richly. And blessed lovingly. Yes we work. But yes God blesses us. And takes care of us. And provides for us. Tonight, are you seeking the Lord? Are you doing the Lord's will? Are you doing what is right in His sight? Are you living for God just as Uzziah started out to? If you are, then God bless you. Keep on doing it. But tonight, if you look at your life and you realize you need God, you need to come to Him through baptism or through repentance and restoration. We can help you in any way. Won't you come as, you, as we stand and sing?